What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Uh, today, we've got a special guest, uh, CEO and founder of Arkimoto, Mark Fromeyer. Welcome back to the show. What up, HyperChange? Good to see you again, Gally. Yeah, great to see you. Um, so you're coming at us live from uh, Eugene, I guess. Um, how's everything going down there? Uh, well, it is, uh, you know, we're definitely li living in interesting times. I hope you're staying uh, safe and healthy out there in New York. Um, I think like the rest of the country, we're all in, you know, essential quarantine mode, except for uh, essential businesses and groceries and things like that. But, um, you know, weathering the storm as best we can. Totally. So I just got off your um, your Q4 earnings webcast, was checking that out, and congratulations, you delivered, I think, 46 FUVs during the quarter, which was uh, the most ever, your second quarter in production, higher than you guys were were even targeting, I believe. Yeah, well, we, we delivered 46 through the end of the year, and I oh, think we got a year. couple wow. of those in Q3, so 44 in Q4. Uh, but yeah, this was, uh, 2019 was, was obviously the, uh, we call it the watershed year, but it was the year we went from, uh, you know, long time uh, R&D mode into actual delivery to retail customers off of our uh, production line. So um, major, uh, major step forward for the company. Yeah, congratulations. Not many vehicle startups get, you know, past, I'm, I'm sure you guys have probably delivered over 50 cars by now. So that's a pretty big milestone. Yeah, we, we, uh, we passed Tucker right at the end of the year. So that was that was another one we had uh, had had been been waiting for 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 a long time. Um, but uh, it's you know, the vehicle uh, the vehicle business is a tough one even to get into. Um, just just getting to the starting line is is a is a truly significant milestone. So um, that was a you know a big deal for us. And then uh, of course began the process of, uh, of, of building up to scale and, uh, and, and really going for it. Yeah. I feel like it's such a bummer that this, um, the illness 19 crisis is hit at the time it di did, because it seems like you guys were finally like just hitting your stride, um, after 12 years in existence, like getting the ground rolling from production. Yeah. I, I would say, you know, it, it, um, it's, it's never a good time to have a pandemic. Um, I, as I think we all recognize, um, but, uh, but, it, it is, uh, I, I, I give a lot of credit to our leadership team for uh, moving very quickly to, you know, one is just to, we put in place over the span of a, a few weeks, uh, more and more procedures to um, mitigate potential effects and to, to help preserve the health of the team. But I think ultimately made absolutely the right call uh, to push pause when we did. Um, and we're not letting this time go to waste. So we, we have, uh, uh, there, there's a lot of work that we need to do that we're doing, um, you know, behind the desk uh, from home to get ready for the next major stage of scale uh, of the company. And then also we, we now have more than a hundred Arkimoto's built um, and we're gonna continue to get lots of great data from those uh, in this time. Yeah, and I'm that's I'm kind of curious. Um, what what kind of feedback have you been getting from the, these early customers? You know, what are they doing with their Arkimotos? I wish I had an Arkimoto right now. In New York uh, I City, wish you had like, an if the streets too, are I... empty, like this would be the perfect time to cruise around on my Arkimoto. Like I've just been dreaming of being able to ride around one. Um, but I'm curious, like, how's the feedback been from uh, some of your early customers? It must be 
some of them have been waiting for you know five years to actually get these vehicles so um they must be having living the dream i guess yeah we, we had our, our actually our our very first pre-order customer got her arkimoto uh just a a, a couple of weeks ago uh that's my mom and uh, she uh she has been having an just an absolute blast driving it around i mean I, I get these text messages every day saying, uh, you know, I, I went and got more flowers at the, at the flower store because I'm just having, having too much fun with it. Um, and, you know, people are waving and asking questions. And I think the, the feedback you get on the street and you, and you experience this actually out in, in Manhattan, you just get a ton of positive feedback from people around you when you're driving it. And it's, it's also just a total blast. So, uh, you know, she mentioned basically this is something that's it's sort of a, a, a bright spot for her in the midst of uh, a, a lot of real challenge and, and negativity. So, um, I, you know, I think that's that's one sort of really, for me personally, heartwarming aspect of it. Uh, and we've been getting feedback like that from from a bunch of early customers. Yeah, it's exciting. And I think the Arkimoto, that's one thing I didn't really appreciate until I saw it in person and we did the drive around New York City was just how many people are stopped and like in person, it really, you're like, whoa, this is so different um, and unique. And like the amount of people who stop and ask like, what is that? Like just random people on the street, kids, old people, like everybody kind of is just like fascinated by the Arkimoto. So um, I, I'm personally waiting to see one in New York. Well, and I think you, you, when you see it online, when you see videos of it, you're, you know, there's a, there's a tendency to sort of think, oh, this is a really super niche product. But when you actually get in it and drive it and then see the reaction from the broad spectrum of people out there, you get a different view. Totally. So um, how is Arkimoto planning on navigating the shutdown and how is it impacting your business? Because um, I know you guys are, uh, you closed the factory in mid-March, you're planning to reopen as sort of the, um, you know, as your local economy in Oregon uh, reopens. How are you, you know, at a high level managing th this kind of unprecedented crisis? Well, I think, you know, at, at a top level, it's been, it's certainly been tough uh, for the team um, on just an individual level to deal with, you know, we, we've, we've gone from 110 people working to around 35. Um, I'm, I'm very uh, glad that the federal government has put in place, um, uh, you know, dramatically expanded benefits for people who are affected uh, in, in terms of work. Um, so that's that has been a, a very nice uh, uh, comfort for the team. Um, in terms of what it does for the company, I think the the what we launched uh, our two fleet products actually right before uh, the 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 virus really hit uh, locally, and so so we have our our rapid responder pilot now on the road. We have our first deliberator pilot on the road, actually doing pandemic uh, response work, and we're about to ship two more deliberators out. Uh, to uh, to a major national grocer to begin looking at uh, at a pilot of that program. So we're we are uh, in terms of what we're doing right now. We're absolutely pushing forward on the the critical activities that we need to hit the next stage of growth of the company. Um, and that's primarily you know one is is laying all the groundwork, sort of doing all the homework on the 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 scaling side. Now that we have. Six months of production under our belt, 
we understand what the throughput looks like from every single one of the components of the manufacturing process. And so it's a, it, it is a mathematical exercise to say, okay, given that, you know, in order to hit 20,000 units a year of scale, we're going to need, you know, X more welding robots and Y more uh, uh, lasers and, you know, Z more uh, benders and formers and this much more um, uh, building space. And so we're, our finance and production uh, teams are, are cranking on that right now um, in order to put that full picture uh, of scale together. And then that goes along with the efforts of, of really building the foundation of our sales pipeline uh, with, with both our consumer vehicle and then with, with the fleet offerings that we have that, that are just coming online. Yeah, let's build on that because I feel like that's a really exciting uh, tidbit that I found in your 10K where you said a 60-day pilot program with a major retail, a major national retail grocer is anticipated to start in the second quarter of 2020. We are targeting delivery of the first production deliberators in 2020. So that sounds like a really exciting partnership. Um, and I guess you guys can't name actually who it is, but can you tell us a little bit about what interested them in the deliberator and maybe what what use case they're actually using this for? Sure, sure. Yeah, and and I you know, we'll have a lot more to talk about about that program once it actually gets underway. Um, but what what how, you know we we ended up getting connected with uh, with some of the, the the executives who were looking at you know how to, how, to, how almost every company at this point has some kind of a corporate social responsibility program in place and they're all looking for how do we save money on operations and maintenance and and so on and so forth so the the electric vehicle story makes a ton of sense for anybody doing delivery um but then the, the question came you know they, they basically gave us a grocery list and said can you fit this $300 worth of groceries in your vehicle? And so we went to one of their stores and, and loaded up the Deliberator uh, pilot, first pilot and had plenty of room to spare, sent them the pictures and they said, all right, we're in. Wow. And that was, again, that was, that was maybe uh, end of February when we, when we had that conversation. Uh, and what has happened obviously since then is that home delivery of groceries has gone from being really a, a convenience, a, a huge convenience, to being um, a, a real critical component of, of health and safety because people just, uh, there, there's a real risk that you have when you go to the grocery store, which is the craziest thing, but that's, you know, that's the world we are now living in. And so as a result, and I think you see this kind of across the board is that every grocery store that's doing delivery is just getting, uh, just getting slammed with delivery orders. Um, so we see the, the, the deliverator as really being a, a very good fit for that particular uh, niche of the market. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's been crazy to see the adoption of this entire e-grocery uh, delivery space, which is something that has really lagged the broader e-commerce market. And then in times of this crisis where you like, people just were forced to do it because they had no other option. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see how these new sort of technologies get adopted in times of crisis. And the other sort of side of that lens is like, 
look at how clean our skies have gotten. That's another big oh. side effect that, you know, we, we've been doing, it's almost like we had this crazy experiment that would have never ever happened where what if every ice car stopped driving for a month and every single city across the, the planet is like having the most beautiful clear skies and air quality it's, it's ever had. So I wonder if that sort of, um, you know, this is changing the tone of some of your conversations that you're having and people are, are taking this more seriously now. For sure. And, and it's, it's everything from the, the sort of the insanity of how we traveled before, you know, that you, you and I are having this conversation on Zoom. I, I get very, very high fidelity uh, image of you. I can see you face to face. And we've, we've had that capability for years now. But there's just always been this sort of resistance and the kind of the idea of, well, hey, you know, nothing beats a, a real face-to-face interaction. So people will ha- would have, you know, they fly across the country for a half an hour meeting, which is crazy. Um, and, and I think what's happened now is that, that really everyone in that set has now come to understand the convenience and advantage of, of, of having a lot of discussions even face-to-face ones online. And I think that's going to shift the way that we think about travel a lot and, and really focus us on traveling and enjoying our local spaces much more than spending. I, 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 had a, I have a buddy who is a sustainability, big sustainability investor, and he counted up that he'd been, he spent 1900 hours traveling in 2019 in ride shares, in airports, in planes, I mean, that's more than a full-time job just getting from place to place in order to talk about sustainability. And so now they're just reinventing all those processes and we have a long enough stretch of time here, and this is a couple of months, is really a long enough time for people to get familiar with a new pattern. So I, I think some of these things like delivery of groceries, like spending more time uh, in, in, in meetings virtually, that those will persist way beyond when this, the immediacy of this crisis passes. So another interesting thing uh, in the midst of all this is you delivered your first um, rapid responder vehicle to, I believe, the Eugene Fire Department uh, right down the road from the Arkimoto factory. Um, And there's 50,000 fire departments um, in the U.S. And you guys have really offered them something that's never been before possible, which is like a third vehicle of not having to buy a huge fire truck. You can buy this tiny little vehicle that's way more flexible. Um, seems like a huge win and kind of a no-brainer for a lot of these smaller fire departments across the country. So I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about, you know, what that experience has been like, you know, getting that out in the in the wild and, and how that's advancing. Well, we've actually been just kind of blown away by the response response from our from Eugene Springfield fire to the vehicle uh, and it, we, we had a chance to sit down with the fire chief uh, a couple of weeks ago and they're really what, what he is talking about is 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 really rethinking their whole deployment strategy and making vehicles like the Arkimoto really a, a critical part of that 21st century deployment model for what they do because you know part of it is that they have uh, a, a mandate from the city and from the state to to really look at emissions in across the whole fleet, and they're saying if they, when they look at the, the 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 trips and the incidents that they go on with their vehicles, they're seeing a, a huge proportion of those 
not actually requiring the capabilities of a big fire truck and and many not requiring the capabilities of an ambulance um they have you know they a long time ago they looked at two-wheeled vehicles at motorcycles like the police would use um but they just they they those have never really caught on in the firefighter uh you know paramedic world because you just need to carry too much stuff with you and so the the what they are what at least what they've indicated to us is that the platform that we have developed strikes a really nice balance between carrying capacity and size and maneuverability so uh, the, the thing i'm really excited about with the rapid responder is just that it's you know where, where the deliberator fits into a, a whole spectrum of of delivery options everything from you know bicycle couriers to pedal powered trikes all the way up to to full-size vans um in in terms of the rapid responder it, it there's nothing else out in the market that really does what it does or anything close to what it does for for emergency response yeah it's and it's pretty incredible to see how much like demand their organic sort of demand there is for the arkimoto platform like i know you guys you don't really do any marketing and because you haven't been able to fill all your orders because you have like four thousand plus orders that are still growing a net backlog I think it's almost like 70 million in potential revenue and that's not even including you know what if this big grocer signs on to do a big deal that's not including all these uh, other fire departments these sort of more fleet use cases um, that are going on so I'm, I'm curious about how do you think about you know fulfilling all this demand and how is the company um, I guess from like a financial and business perspective I'm curious because it seems like you have all this demand and you have to sort of hit scale to be able to build the FUV profitably so how do you right. think about this next leg of like hitting that scale? Because um, it seems like the hardest part of all this, which is generating actual demand for the vehicles has been locked in, which is really exciting. And now it's just sort of about ramping and executing that production. Yeah, and, and that's really what we're, that's what we're working on right now is the plan for scale. You know, one is to meet our, our, our backlog, which keeps growing. I mean, we, like you're saying, we, we really don't do marketing uh we have a, have, have a very small marketing budget compared to what we spend on the rest of the endeavor uh and as we get vehicles out in the field there's there's just growing word of mouth interest in the consumer product but what the, and, the, and the reason why we're going after the, the the multitude of offerings one is is that it we, we need to get a firm foundation you know some significant purchase orders that really, you know, sort of prove demand beyond any reasonable doubt, uh, and and provide a, a sort of a consistent foundation for that scale pipeline. Um, then the other side of it is all of the work that we're doing right now on value engineering uh, for cost reduction as well as scale production planning, and all of those go into our application for the Advanced Technology Vehicle Manufacturing Loan Program uh, through the Department of Energy, and that's really we, we've talked about that uh, since, you know, well before we went public, that that is our ideal source of scale financing. Um, and we have now gotten to the point where we can actually put that application together. We have the experience of building vehicles uh, on our production system for six months. We understand what it's going to take to scale up each component of the process um, and where the real wins are going to be in terms of cost reduction for additional pieces that we want to vertically integrate inside of our own production footprint. So 
that's what the team is is just cranking on right now and we're aiming to get that application in uh, to the DOE as quickly as we possibly can. And we, we also see that this particular time um, when, when we're, we're, we're you know, sort of facing uh, an economic cataclysm at the same time that we're facing a pandemic, that this is the time when it makes sense for uh, the, the government and the private sector to really work together uh, to, to push uh, economic growth where it makes sense. And that loan program, the Advanced Technology Manufacturing Vehicle Loan Program from the DOE is something that Tesla actually used to get off the ground originally way back in the day as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you could argue that we, without that, it would have been very hard for Tesla to be where it is today. Um, and so obviously the, the bets that, that, that DOE has made, uh, you know, not all have, have panned out, but the ones that have panned out have been incredible uh, growth drivers for the country and certainly for for the, the mission of that program uh, and and we believe that we're you know sort of an ideal candidate uh, for for the program given where we stand today in terms of uh, both customer demand and then that we have already you know in, in a lot of cases that program was used for things that were not even in production yet uh, and and for us it is not about getting into production it's about taking a proven production model and then scaling it up yeah, it's pretty unbelievable to me that you guys have actually achieved that production milestone because, like you said, so many vehicle companies fail before even getting to that start. And I feel like Arkhamoto's history, what you've probably used, what, like 30, 40, 50 million in capital to get 12 years to actually get to that product. We were on the order of $42 million in to get to, to, get to production. Yeah. So, okay. Right in the ballpark. Um, but yeah, that's unbelievably like it sounds like a lot of money but that's unbelievably capital efficient for someone who's actually you know having a factory that's building um your own vehicle which is pretty crazy to me well i'm not going to argue with you about the, <laughs> the relative level of capital efficiency of arkimoto versus uh, versus other other plays going after this space i think we you know part, part of that comes from um just the fact that the the first couple million in came from me and I've tried to do uh, everything I can to shepherd every additional dollar in as though uh, it were my own. So we really haven't, um, I, I think we have been efficient with capital. We've also been very focused on solving one very particular problem uh, with one you know relatively simple platform. Obviously any vehicle on the road is, a, is an, horrendously complicated undertaking um, but we're not building a full-size car we're we're building something that is uh, lighter simpler um, more efficient and a lot more efficient to produce for sure and so uh, getting I guess a little off uh, topic one thing that uh, I was reading your 10k that stuck out to me was your mention of autonomy and I know this is something that the hyperchange subscribers are probably all over um, and something about, you know, you have your software background, the Arkimoto is all, it's taken me a while to appreciate this, but I guess everything is sort of controlled by electronics in the vehicle. Yep. And so when you say you're designing it for autonomy, um, you're basic, you know, the way I think about Tesla, everything's controlled by software in the touchscreen over time. It's just about software updates um, to like leverage, you know, and everything's connected. So you can, you can just push software updates to increase uh, functionality and features. And I'm curious, you know, 
about the Arcimoto, if you could just tell us a little bit about now that you're in production, what sort of systems do you have in place so that these cars could be maybe upgraded for full autonomy or how do you think about that whole piece? Well, well sure, you know, we've, we've designed the vehicle from the very beginning with the idea that it would be a platform for autonomy. So that, and what that means from the, on the vehicle platform side is just that it, the throttle, uh, regenerative braking, steering can all be controlled by wire. Um, and we are not, uh, we have not been in a position to date to develop the full autonomy stack on top of that, which is fine. There are, there are literally dozens of companies going after various solutions to that problem for various applications. And so what, where we see the role that, that we can fill is providing, uh, you know, just really providing the, the, the rolling foundation for a whole host of different autonomous solutions. And where, you know, where, when you look at the, the autonomy vision that's, that's promoted in the traditional automotive world, it's like, well, hey, we're just going to take cars and make them drive themselves. Um, but when you look at rideshare, 85% of rideshare is one occupant, one passenger. So the, the idea that we're going to just switch out all of these single occupant gas cars for single occupant full-size autonomous vehicles to us makes absolutely no sense. We think it makes sense that our autonomous, you know, robo-taxi fleet of the future is, is much more human scale. And then that way we can begin to reclaim a lot of the asphalt that we dedicate to cars for more human scale purposes. Definitely. And so one thing that personally hits home for me is the Arkimoto referral program. Um, and I've been bugging you about this. So I'm curious if you could tell us for all code people hyperchange. Yeah, I, I got a code hyperchange. Um, what do you have in the works for the Arkimoto referral program? Um, is that something you're thinking about? Because I know a lot of companies like Tesla, you know, with no marketing, as they start to get deliveries out, the word of mouth is crazy. And I feel like the word of mouth for Arkimoto will be like, your neighbor gets one, you get in a ride and you're like, wow, this is epic. And then you place, you know, so I'm curious about how you're thinking about that now that you're sort well, of on the second phase of, of growth. We, dev we, we definitely have, uh, have, have, have thought that a referral program makes a ton of sense. And, and per your prodding uh, on our last call, we added in, you know, the, the referral code into the pre-order uh, page. And so they, we are tracking your hyperchange uh, referrals uh, as we speak. Um, and we're, we're also looking at mapping out, you know, we were talking the other day about the, uh, you know, a, a swag bag uh, for anyone who uses a referral code. So you get, you know, getting, getting some free stuff for somebody who uses the referral code. So there's a benefit for using it um, and then a benefit for you to have a code. So you, know, you and I had talked about if you, if you get 100 referrals, you get an Arkimoto of your own, something like that. Uh, I think that's a great idea. Uh, and so we're, we're going to be putting the, the finishing touches on, on that program here in the, in the coming uh, couple of months as we, as we flesh out our, our full online sales process. Um, and then also what you'll get as a referrer is you're going to get your own uh, sort of Arkimoto homepage on our, on our FovLife uh, uh, domain where you'll be able to put up uh, pictures of, of you and your vehicle and, and kind of have a, a bit of a social aspect to it. You'll get your own um, your, your own QR code that somebody can just scan and drop right in um, so, so that it'll be very easy for you to uh, refer people from your vehicle. And so, yeah, it, it's, uh, 
we're, we're definitely, we're going to hook you up if you, uh, if you sell a bunch of Arkhamotos. All right. You heard that. I need a hundred referrals to get my Arkhamoto. So use the code HyperChange. But um, I love that FUV life uh, tidbit. And I'm curious if you have any kind of, you know, the Arkhamoto software. life. The FUV life. You know, so I, I'm thinking of all these things, like how many miles I did in my FUV, how many states I went. Like you guys have all this data. I wonder if that'll be uploaded and, and you know, gamified. Um, I'm curious, like what you're kind of for the, on the fun side, what you're kind of doing. Cause the second I heard that, I never thought of it. I was like, wow, that's a cool little layer. Like we're sort Unlock of digital side. Yeah. Went on 1000 grocery store missions with no tailpipe emissions, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. So, so, um, and, and to, we'll, we'll definitely gamify it to some degree. It's going to be absolutely up to you, the, the, the driver, uh, how much of your actual, behavior information you want to share publicly. So um, we, we definitely keep track of the fleet in order to, to keep an eye on uh, maintenance issues and things like that. But there is, there is definitely a privacy consideration there as well. Yeah, definitely. Sounds really cool. And do you have any other like tidbits of potential software updates or kind of like Easter egg features that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, well, our, our software team right now is, is putting the finishing touches on our, our whole configurator process. So it's going to you know, give you a, a 3D view of the vehicle that you can swap through different options and uh, different color schemes and things like that. It's actually super cool. Um, most of what you're going to do, though, in terms of, you know, we, we don't have a, a, a sort of a, a, a secondary information display. We're really counting on your phone as as your navigation device as your as your main audio device and then the arkimoto app that's on that phone uh you know we'll we'll certainly put some little little bits and easter eggs in there i'm not sure it will be to the uh to the level of of uh of complexity that tesla's gone to for example um but but we'll make it fun Awesome. So what should we be on the lookout for um, later in 2020 as Arkimoto continues to progress here? Uh, I think the, the big, well, well, the big stories are, are going to be, you know, one, getting, getting, the, uh, getting the FUV into the hands of more customers. Uh, we have uh, a bunch of folks who have been waiting for quite a long time uh, to get their own, and particularly as the as the weather is getting nicer, we're getting more and more emails saying, you know, where where is mine? Uh, and so we we definitely feel the urgency to uh, get back into uh, production and delivery mode. Um, I think we're going to see more, uh, a lot more on the uh, on, on the on the fleet side to help really again build that foundation for scale, uh, and then. Um, as I think we'll also see some some new you know the opportunity for some new business models around uh, the usage of the Arkhamoto vehicle. So we you know, we we launched our first rental franchise, uh, announced that uh, in the third quarter of last year. Actually, got them vehicles uh, at the end of the year, and then they opened operations on the rental side in quarter one. Um, but there are there, you know, that's, that's more for the destination vacation side. Uh, and we think we, we've got some other interesting stuff cooking um, that would be more focused on uh, uh, utilitarian applications and, and delivery and so on. Really cool. Yeah, I, I guess as an investor, it's, it's exciting because I see all these little like seeds going out of like 
um, you know, delivery here with this big grocery chain, the fire department, the rental, the go car, um, you know, somebody just being able to pick it up. So I think there's like so many, and I'm just waiting for like one of these trials going well to, you know, each of these little deals could turn into a huge deal for Arkimoto, it seems like, um, if, if the pilots are successful. So I'm, I'm really rooting for for the FUV to deliver. I, know, I feel like I know it will. <laughs> well, and again, the, 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 the real secret of this platform is that it actually matches the vast majority of trips that people take on the road and that cross a ton of different applications. So they look like little niches, but you add them up and uh, it's a ton of trips. So we, we, we see potential in a, in a lot of different areas and we're just trying to be very efficient about finding the, the right low hanging fruit to pick first. Excellent. And actually, I guess as last question, I, I'm curious about that reminded me low hanging fruit of what you mentioned on your on your conference call about really, you know, optimizing that manufacturing process and, and coming up with a lot of improvements. So I'm curious if you could tell it, you know, obviously, I'm big on the whole pace of innovation theory. I'm curious about, I'm sure you guys must have learned like, you know, so much in these past six months of actually starting production. Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's no substitute for for actually doing it. I mean, you, you, the best laid plans, you still have to go through the process, and that's why things like uh, you know continuous improvement uh, is all about the people who are building the product, coming up with process improvements, coming up with uh, product improvements that that then that then move up through the organization. Um, and you don't get that until you're actually doing it. Um, so, 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 so we're, we're, we've learned a ton in the last six months about the build of the vehicle. We've learned a lot about the vehicle itself. Um, we have, and, and one of the challenges I think also for, for an early, early stage vehicle company is that there is a, you know, the suppliers that are going to be your suppliers at high scale are not necessarily the ones that are going to help you get there in the first place. And so there's, there, are, there are all of these different sort of chicken and egg problems to deal with, it, not just in terms of the, the, the go-to-market of the vehicle, but then actually how it, it's, its constituent parts and how it's put together. So um, we're in that mode now where we've got this, this window of time to make all of those transitions as we look to higher scale. And at the same time, uh, really gain the benefit of having uh, more than 100 vehicles out there uh, on the road, building the brand, uh, building the fleet strategy, and, uh, and and getting us to the next level. Awesome. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking the time, Mark. Always awesome to catch up. And I think I would leave all the hyperchangers and everyone watching this with the tidbit of how many vehicle EV startups do you see? How many of them have actually built and delivered 50 cars? And it, look at the amount of money they raise. Arkhamoto with 42 million is already you know, accomplish that. It's amazing to me how much press and what valuations all these other electric vehicle companies get without having delivered a single car and they're spending hundreds of millions. So from a business case study, I love like the progress you guys have made. Um, you know, of course there's always delays. It's always, things are always going wrong in this business, but even with all of that, the, the progress has been crazy and the execution has been incredible given the time and the budget constraints. So just wanted to give you props on that. And I can't wait to see, uh, you know, you guys continue to grow and kick ass. Thanks, Kelly. Really, really appreciate you helping tell the story, man.
Yep. All right. Hang in there, Mark. Stay safe. Peace out. You too. You too. Cheers.